Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Competing Against Luck, the story of innovation and customer choice. Many companies see innovation as their key driving force, but some have chosen the wrong direction or have put their efforts in the wrong place to achieve this. As a result, innovation has been almost reduced to simply a game of chance. However, this book Competing Against Luck answers the question of where exactly to look for innovation opportunities. Giving a hint to what the book is about through its title. This book was jointly written by four authors. Clayton M. Christensen is a professor of business administration at the Harvard Business School and a co-founder of the Innocite Company. A five-time recipient of the McKinsey Award, he has written and jointly written several best-selling books, including The Innovator's Dilemma and The Innovator's Solution. In The Innovator's Dilemma and The Innovator's Solution, Christensen puts forward and analyzes a new and hugely influential theory, namely disruptive innovation. This theory tells us that latecomers in the market can use disruptive technologies to create a new value network and eventually displace established market-leading firms. Disruptive innovation is defined as what the latecomers do by using disruptive technologies. Among the other three co-authors of this book, Taddy Hall is a principal with the Cambridge Group and a leader of Nielsen's Breakthrough Innovation Project. He has also cooperated closely with many leading global companies. Karen Dillon is the former editor of the Harvard Business Review and co-author of the bestseller How Will You Measure Your Life, of which Christensen also wrote. David S. Duncan is a senior partner at Innosight. He has a PhD in physics from Harvard University and is a leading thinker on innovation strategy and growth. As a result of 20 years of refinement, this team consisting of the foremost authorities on innovation and growth, have introduced the theory of jobs to be done as the core concept in competing against luck. How should we then understand the theory of jobs to be done? As Harvard marketing professor Ted Levitt once put it, people don't want to buy a quarter-inch drill. They want a quarter-inch hole. Customers buy a product not necessarily to own it but to hire it to complete jobs to be done. Therefore, from a jobs perspective, we'll be able to find innovation opportunities for our companies. In this bookie, we'll introduce the key points of this book to you through the following three sections. Part 1. What are the jobs to be done? Part 2. Understanding competition from a jobs perspective. Part 3. How to find the jobs to be done to serve customers. Let's first look at what jobs to be done means exactly. In a McKinsey poll, 84% of global executives acknowledge that innovation is extremely important to their growth strategies, yet a staggering 94% were unsatisfied with their own innovation performance. What was then the problem? With that in mind, Christensen invites the readers to think about the following two questions at the beginning of book, which the author himself had been considering for years. First, since innovation brings us success, why is it so hard to sustain it? Second, where should we look for new opportunities without relying on luck in order to successfully innovate? He found that his previous theory of disruptive innovation wasn't able to solve these two questions, and for 20 years, he had been trying to figure out a solution. 
It wasn't until a market research on milkshakes that Christensen was inspired to solve the problem that had puzzled him for years. As a fast food chain wanted to sell more milkshakes, they spent months surveying their customers and tried many tactics in response to the feedback. They modified the recipe, created more flavors, made some price adjustments, and so on. However, months later, there was still absolutely no change in their milkshake sales. This made Christensen reconsider the matter from a totally different perspective, which became the jobs-to-be-done theory. The jobs theory emphasizes that each customer buys a product not necessarily in order to own it, but to hire it to complete a job to be done. So, what kind of jobs do customers want to hire a milkshake to do? From this perspective, Christensen's team later found that there were two peak periods for buying milkshakes. One period is before 9 a.m. when the customers usually order their milkshakes in a hurry and take them straight back to their cars. Here, their common job to be done was adding a sip of fun to their boring commute. At the same time, milkshakes are able to provide customers a feeling of satisfaction, preventing them from feeling too hungry around 10 a.m. Unlike ice cream or bread, the milkshake wouldn't dirty their fingers, leave crumbs in the car, or make them unable to hold the steering wheel with both hands. For such reasons, during this period, milkshakes are the best choice for commuters to complete their job to be done. Another peak period for milkshakes is after work. The same customers would come to buy a milkshake for a completely different job to be done than in the morning. During this time slot, many parents bring their kids to the store for milkshakes. As by this time parents had said no multiple times to their kids' other requests, and have been looking for opportunities to connect with their kids, their job became to placate their children and feel like being good parents. To give their kids something less unhealthy and less satiating so that they could still have room for dinner, the customers naturally chose to hire the milkshake at that time to complete their job. Therefore, for morning time employers, milkshakes should be thicker and larger, in order for them to last longer while workers are on their ride to work. Moreover, it would be better if bits of chocolate or chunks of fruit were added as a little surprise in each sip. By contrast, the milkshake after work should emphasize healthiness, and could come in half-sized or special cups for kids. As such, children's craving for snacks could be satisfied, without sacrificing their appetite for dinner. As you can see, Although it seems as if customers have simply chosen a product, they have actually hired the product to complete a job to be done. Further, the same milkshake can serve completely different jobs at different times of the day. Therefore, in terms of how to increase sales of milkshakes, it is worth changing our way of thinking. Rather than focusing on creating more flavors or adding little surprises like fruit chunks in the milkshake, it's better to focus on helping customers complete their jobs to be done. We all have various jobs to be done in our daily lives. If a customer's chosen product successfully does the job, then the customer will hire this product again the next time they want to complete the same job. However, if the product fails to meet the customer's needs, then the customer will surely look for another product to complete the job. Therefore, the core of the jobs theory is that we should rather use the jobs perspective in order to understand our customers' needs and innovate our products accordingly. Now you probably have a preliminary understanding of the jobs-to-be-done approach from the milkshake dilemma. But that's not enough. As Christensen reminds us, 
there are some other key points that we should take note of in order to understand the theory more thoroughly. First of all, when we look at our customer's job to be done, we should not only focus on the job per se, but also on its overall circumstances. Only a job that is confined by a specific context can be instructive for the company's innovation. For example, requirements and jobs like I want to stay healthy or I want to eat something are essential for customers, but they are simply too general and thus uninstructive for companies that want to cater to such needs. By contrast, customers in the milkshake case have very specific jobs to do in specific circumstances. So, it is fundamental to know better about the circumstances to understand customers' jobs. The second key point to understand the jobs theory is to recognize that a job not only has functional dimensions, but it has social and emotional dimensions too. As an example, let's look at Airbnb, the famous online marketplace company that offers arrangements for lodging. Airbnb customers hire the service not simply because it can provide them a place to stay. More importantly, they can get an authentic local experience from it, something a featureless chain-branded hotel cannot offer. The local experience that the customers look for is something irrelevant to the product's functionality, but exists within a social and emotional dimension. The third key to understand the jobs theory is that a job is progressive and repetitive, it's rarely a discrete event. If a job is in fact discrete, the customer does not hire the product again once the job has been done, making the product's potential market thus quite limited. That concludes the first part. Let's summarize what we've covered. From the milkshake case, we saw that we should take the jobs to be done perspective to analyze customers' buying behavior. It can help us better understand customers' motivation to buy products, and thus help the company find innovation opportunities. To better understand the jobs theory, we should also keep in mind three keys. First, we should concern ourselves with not only the job per se but also its circumstances. Second, a job has not only functional dimensions but also social and emotional dimensions. Third, a job is progressive and repetitive, and thus rarely discreet. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.